hello, hello, and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. This week's guests are Amanda and Danielle from Navigating Behavior Change. Amanda is a board-certified behavior analyst and a nationally certified school psychologist, and Daniel is a special education teacher, consultant, and board-certified behavior analyst. Together, Amanda and Danielle are co-owners of Navigating Behavior Change. They provide resources, professional development, and consultation on research and evidence-based strategies to teach and promote generalization of socially appropriate behaviors. Given Amanda and Danielle's diverse professional background, Navigating Behavior Change strives to provide supports to not only teachers, but also school psychologists, administrators, and other related service providers. So they can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Navigating Behavior Change. And with that, welcome to the SLP Corner Podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. I'm excited for you guys to come on today. So this podcast today is all about board certified behavior analysts. We're going to kind of just dive into that topic in case anyone out there wants more information, wants to become one, is maybe unfamiliar with them and they should probably be having them on their team right now. So first, before we kind of dive into that, can you both share a little bit more about yourselves and introduce yourselves so they know who's talking and also just kind of like where you're working today, your current scope of practice, the types of children you work with and things like that. Absolutely, I'll start. I'm Amanda and I'm the school psych BCBA and I live in Anchorage, Alaska and I work here in a school district as um, kind of a hybrid. I'm a school psych on paper, but I'm a BCBA by practice in what I do day to day. And that's really fun and exciting because I get to collaborate quite frequently with school psychologists and I get to participate in a lot of professional development, development of that development um, for our in the district and um, I get to conduct functional behavior assessments all day long every day and attend an awful lot of meetings Um, but I get kind of the best of both worlds in that I get to really delve into behavior which is my complete passion um, and um, still get to kind of be a school psych and spread that knowledge and share that expertise Um, I'm the only school psych in our district who is also a BCBA, so I kind of joke that I'm a unicorn because there's so few of us out there. But spend a lot of time working with students with emotional disturbances, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, um, other health impairments, um, and in a program where they're all elementary kids and they have very significant behaviors that are impeding their learning and learning of, of others and often are unsafe behaviors as well. Thank you so much for that introduction. And Danielle, could you share a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, so um, hello, hello. My name is Danielle Lindquist. Um, on paper, I am a certified special education teacher and behavior specialist. However, I am also a board certified behavior analyst like Amanda. Um, I used to work in the same program with Amanda, so I have um, pretty extensive history of working with students um, with, again, fetal alcohol syndrome um, and eligibility of autism, other health impairment, etc. Right now, I'm currently across the United States, sad to say, um, as working as a behavior specialist in a K-2 school. So my primary role is is really being on that other end of the spectrum now and working with both um, students in general education settings and uh, as well as special education. So 
I am working with teachers implementing good old fashioned classroom management strategies in tier one and tier two, as well as writing um, and conducting behavior intervention plans and supporting students that require support in that tier three area of behavior. So I'm kind of all across the board and, and, you know, one minute is different from the next minute in my world, but I like it that way. It keeps things fun and interesting. And I also collaborate with a, a wide variety of professionals. So it keeps things fun and exciting. And we, you know, we try to do a lot of professional development. A lot of my time is spent training um, the um, teaching assistants because they're really the ones that are implementing a lot of the behavior interventions. Um, so I, I see it all and I do it all. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys are both a wealth of knowledge. I'm so excited that I can have you on the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about kind of like what is a BCBA's role? What do they do? How do you become one? I'm hoping all the SLPs listening are very familiar with BCBAs, have worked with BCBAs, but if there's parents listening and they're wondering like, what is a BCBA? Maybe they just got a diagnosis. So maybe can we just start with what is a BCBA? Absolutely. A BCBA stands for Board Certified Behavior Analyst, and we are professionals who deal with the science of behavior, essentially. Our passion and our purpose is to increase socially significant behaviors for individuals that increase their ability to be independent in their community and their, their lifestyle now is a child on through adulthood. Um, and so we really focus not on changing behaviors that others may find annoying, but on behaviors that are going to um, increase the outcomes for that for that individual so that they are able to better live independently in the future or better communicate their wants and needs and so on and so forth. And so behavior analysts, really, that's what we devote our time to. And we do get the opportunity to collaborate a lot with different professionals in our, um, in our roles, which really helps to build that multidisciplinary team approach to increasing those behaviors, um, increasing those outcomes for students. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so where would you typically find a BCBA, like, or a BC? Where, where are BCs working? Which settings are they in? The great thing about behavior analysts is that we work in so many different settings. You know, a lot of people think that we primarily work with students with autism um, because ABA is, you know, the most research and evidence-based um, therapy and treatment for students with autism. However, applied behavioral analysis is a science and we can apply the principles of learning and reinforcement um, i.e. ABA, to any student, to any human who wants to, again, make improvements in their life um, in terms of socially significant behaviors. So you will find BCBAs in schools, you'll find BCBAs working in clinics, um, you'll find them working in in-home settings providing therapy. There's BCBAs working in prison systems, working in um, you know, rehabilitation centers, working as a, a team, um, helping people with exercise. And so, you know, any, any behavior of social significance, any, anything that they want to improve upon, a BCBA can be and should be part of that team. Um, so they really are all over the place. And there's a lot of 
positions that a, a behavior analyst can work within that a lot of people don't typically hear about, right? Like as part of an interdisciplinary team working on an exercise routine or, um, you know, it, again, in the prison system, we don't hear a lot about those. But again, they're, they are all over the place. Yeah, like I think as an SLP, I, I'm so familiar with BCBAs and I see you guys so often, but then I feel like BCBAs are kind of like, it's similar to SLP in that not a lot of people are familiar with it and they're not familiar with what you do and, and what types of people you work with or what types of settings you work in. So I'm excited to kind of just like spread more awareness of this topic, especially because it's such an asset to have. Uh, BCBA on your team. Like I just had a meeting this past week. I had like so many, I had three or four meetings with BCBAs this week and I've learned so much. So it's not only so important for the trial, but then it's so important for the other team members as well. So we can all learn from each other. So, um, Absolutely. and you know, it's, again, it's not just one, one human with a specific disability. It's not just one position within um, you know, a certain setting, and, and that's the great thing about BCBAs is, you know, it's, they're, they're versatile, and we can, you know, work and, and be part of a team that really, again, fosters that independence, and, and really helps that individual just live their, their best, most successful life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we talked a little bit about collaboration, so who, else other than of course SLPs do BCBAs collaborate with like who else would you guys be collaborating with so I think it varies a bit depending on the agency or the position you're in but within the school setting certainly we collaborate a lot with SLPs um, we also collaborate with occupational therapists at times physical therapists we're coming together as that multidisciplinary team administrators the teachers the teachers assistants the parents um, we also at times uh, collaborate with other BCBAs and then BCBAs in the community um, and here especially we seem to have kind of um, more BCBAs that are kind of a, a unicorns like me where they're a BCBA and a social worker um, and a BCBA and a, a OT I know one of those um, and so that's kind of a neat melding of minds too, when you have all these different professionals. Um, and again, you're all coming again together for that child, that student or that individual. Um, but within the school setting, it's a broad range of people that we are consistently collaborating with. Oh, and don't forget outside therapists either. Um, so the mental health counselors um, that may come along um, to those team meetings with the parents in you know, um, support of that child that they're supporting in the community. So community agencies as well. It's so interesting when kind of like people like you and then also like the OT who's also a BCBA, they're two things because I know one of my, on one of my placements, I had, it was my favorite placement. So it's like just such a positive memory. The owner of the clinic was an SLP and a BCBA. And it was just so interesting, her perspective on everything. And like, I know that we all talk about like, behavior is communication, communication is behavior. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to collaborate with each other. But then seeing, I like learning from her in her clinic, how she kind of thought about those things, having that BCBA mind and then that SLP mind, I was like, this is really interesting. And I learned a lot. So that was, yeah, it was really positive um, placement for me. So if parents are listening to this 
and they're wondering like, how do I know if I need a BCBA? Because even this week, like I was working with a child and I asked, they had it newly diagnosed and I asked them like, oh, like who's on your team? And they, they, had, they hadn't gotten any sports from BCBA yet. And so if parents are listening, like how would you know? Um, this might be a broad question, but I feel like it's important to, because sometimes parents are like, well, maybe my kid doesn't need one or maybe my kid. So what would you say for that? That's a tougher one. Um... Because in the school setting, you know, we can, you know, there's is the district policy that kind of guides who does what and who supports who. But in the private community, insurance drives a lot of that. Um, and so we know that ABA being one of the best um, and most evidence-based interventions for kids with autism, that ABA is often paid for and funded by insurance. Um, and so typically you have that diagnosis and you're able to get that rolling. But for families that have a kid with, you know, eligibility under an emotional disturbance or a mental health disorder, that's going to be a much more difficult um, process for them to obtain that service or even to know about it because, you know, the kind of the, the way, you know, services are driven, it's kind of by that diagnosis. Um, and so if they have a mental health disorder, um, they're going to be kind of guided towards mental health supports. And that's that's fine, but there are certainly ways that behavior analysts can also support um, with those individuals. And in the program in which Danielle and I have worked, um, you know, many of our kids are eligible because they have mental health disorders. Um, and so we were often that first BCBA that a parent would encounter. It was kind of a, a nice experience because oftentimes, you know, we we're able to kind of bring that light of we can, we can work on this. We can teach them new skills to use instead of this behavior or that behavior. But we don't often see that transfer into the outside community just because of the, the insurance funding component and the resources that are available. And I think, you know, and sometimes in that regard, it, it takes a level of getting creative too because again it, it doesn't mean that ABA is just for people with autism. Um, applied behavioral analysis is proven to be extremely effective for a wide variety of disorders in conjunction with that such as post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety. So you know it it's not just autism. <laughs> um, and we kind of preach that because, you know, the, the students with whom we work, the greater population of our experience was not with students with autism. And again, you know, we, we urge you to try not to get stuck in that, that autism bubble because applied behavioral analysis is again, been extremely effective in providing skills and supports and interventions for a wide variety of, of disorders. And, and it's possible to get that support and get those services out there. And sometimes, again, it just takes getting a little creative and finding a different avenue to get that, that um, behavior analytic support. And to add to that, more and more districts across the country are uh, hiring and consulting with BCBAs. Um, and we always tell our staff when we're training on plans or how to teach certain behavioral skills or social skills that this is just good teaching. And so that's the truth. It's just good teaching. Um, and so for parents that may be listening, um, just knowing that, you know, more and more uh, uh, districts across the country are embracing um, ABA practices in services. Um, it may be just a matter of starting out by reaching out to your, your, your district and asking what services are available. Would my child qualify or benefit from these and go in from there? Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great idea to ask that question. Like it seems 
it seems so simple, but it's like, how many people are asking what services are available? What do I qualify for? What can I get access to? And I think that's really important place to start because I don't think that's always happening. And I really like how Danielle, you said it's not always, it's not just autism, because I think that that's a common misconception, even with SLPs, I think it might be a common misconception. And I know like I have a family member with a rare genetic disorder and they have had so much help from the BCBA on their team and they don't have autism. And like you would never, I think a lot of people aren't familiar with that and they don't realize that it goes so far beyond autism. Absolutely. And, and again, like Amanda said, it's, it's just good teaching um, and all of the evidence and research-based practices and strategies that we use as behavior analysts. Um, again, we, we pick the skills that this, the student or person is, is going to benefit in terms of increasing their independence. Um, and that may be social skills. It may be coping skills, you know. A lot of people in this world could use coping skills, not just students with autism, right? Just thinking about is, is my child or is my student um, exhibiting any type of behavior that's really getting in their way from being independent, forming meaningful relationships with their peers, um, you know, navigating their environment independently. And, you know, there is some component of applied behavioral analysis that could help them again, reach that goal. Yeah, and then I think kind of like what Amanda touched on was maybe one of the reasons why this might be something that we're not all familiar with is the funding, access to services. If so many kids with autism have more funding and they're just gonna be able to have more access and maybe more of a team from the beginning after they get that diagnosis. So yeah, I hope, like I, I'm happy we're doing things like this. So hopefully we can just spread a little bit more awareness to people listening, even anyone, any type of therapist who's on a team to try to like spread awareness about this topic. Next, I kind of want to talk about what the main goal of BCBA is. Like what, how would you, yeah, how would you kind of summarize like the main goal of BCBA? It goes back to what we've kind of been saying. It's about that socially significant, increasing those social significant behaviors, um, which could be learning to read, right, for an individual. Could be learning to communicate their wants and needs effectively in a way that transfers across environments so that no matter where they have a means of communicating. So, you know, that may not be verbal, it may be, you know, pictorial, it may be with an assistive tech device. Um, but if that's the need that um, that student needs to learn, that's, you know, that would be a socially significant behavior that we could help support learning. Um, it could be decreasing a challenging behavior that is unsafe, um, eloping um, and running, you know, uh, down towards the freeway, um, or um, even just a behavior that interferes with their ability to um, attend to and participate with their peers in a, an activity. So it really varies and it really is guided by the individual and what they're needing and what that team um, is, you know, prioritizing for them when they're young, but as they get older, also including their voice and their opinion and what they, they feel that they need to learn and want to learn in order to, you know, make the connections or be as independent as they, they possibly can be. And, you know, as a behavior specialist, I feel like a, the reoccurring theme in my position is helping, helping the students with whom I work access their peer relationships and access their learning. Um, and again, like Amanda said, we are trained in teaching academic skills. We're not just all about, you know, uh, bad behaviors, quote unquote. Um, 
reading is a behavior in and of itself. So again, you know, students struggling with math, there are, there are specific ways that we can teach that and to promote fluency in math skills, for example. Um, so that's kind of a, a fun part of my job that, again, I don't always get to do really because there's other instructional coaches for that. Um, but again, that, that independence, accessing learning, accessing meaningful relationships, navigating their community, um, and just using general pro-social behaviors. Mm -hmm. I love your focus on independence and functional life skills. And like, I, I really like how you just summarized it with access peer relationships and access to learning. And isn't that kind of like what we all want, what we all deserve, access to meaningful Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really like that. I really like that perspective. So for anyone listening and they're thinking like, I, I like this, I like the sound of this, I want to become a BCBA. How, how do you become one? What are the steps? What, where would you recommend people start? Like, did you guys become, what was the order in which you, were you a BCBA first or how do you become a BCBA? So there's kind of various levels um, within the, the certification process in a way. Um, so to be a BCBA, you have to have a master's degree or complete a program in applied behavior analysis at the master's level. Um, for me personally, I'd been a school psych for ooh, seven or eight years before I went back to school and did a post-grad certificate. So I did, I think, 18 credits and I had to do a whole bunch of hours of um, internship essentially where I was, you know, I had a supervisor and I had to collect hours across the different domains and the task list um, and then take a, a really quite tough test. Um, to pass that certification and become a BCBA, but um, others can do the, the master's as part of that. Um, you still have the hours to accrue, you still have the test to take, but there is a bachelor's level. It's called a BCABA, and it's basically a board certified assistant behavior analyst. Um, and below that, there is what is called the RBT or registered behavior technician. And so some of those have come out of like the insurance mandates um, surrounding those autism services. Um, and that um, typically in order for insurance to fund the, the service, um, it has to be provided by an RBT or a BCABA and supervised by a BCBA. Um, there's also a doctorate level, which is a BCBA D. So you obviously have to have a doctorate in order to be that. Um, and so there's those different tiers or levels, um, but there's a lot of um, overlap in um, the day-to-day, -day, um, you know, skills between an RBT and a BCBA, BCABA, um, and, just, and also the knowledge of a BCBA. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I bet there's lots of people who are probably pretty interested in kind of expanding their horizons and looking into this. Um, so I just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on to talk about all of this. And so where can people find you if they're wanting to learn more, if they're wanting to connect with you guys, where, where, where can you direct? You can find us at uh, navigatingbehaviorchange.com. We have a Facebook, we have a website, we have an Instagram um, over on our website. We do um, have blogs. We also have a membership called the Behavior Institute, where monthly we produce webinars on various behavior change topics. Um, and all that good stuff. So we're all over the place. 
Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on this week. Thank you for having us. We really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'll see everybody next Monday. Thank you.